A shooting in California leaves one dead and five injured, all six Taiwanese, while the shooter is a member of a Beijing-linked group. A rare protest in one of Beijing's top universities. Hundreds of students gathered to oppose lockdown and ended up tearing down a fence. How long will China's virus restrictions last? Beijing might have just offered a hint by giving up hosting rights to a sporting event set for next summer. A new bill is on the way. If it passes, visa applicants will have to disclose any and all ties to the Chinese Communist Party. And billionaire Elon Musk is said to become the new owner of Twitter. But how deep are his ties to China? We take a closer look. Welcome to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. One is dead and five others injured after a California shooting on Sunday. The attack happened inside a Taiwanese church where a man opened fire in the building. Authorities say the shooter was angered by Chinese-Taiwanese tensions. The victim is being called a hero for charging at the shooter. One official says he sacrificed himself so that others could live. Jessica Beatty has more from NTD's News Today. 52-year-old Dr. John Chang tackled the shooter and attempted to disarm him, allowing others to intervene, according to officials. Dr. Chang is a hero in this incident. Dr. Chang was killed. Five others were injured. The shooting happened during a lunch held by the Taiwanese Presbyterian Church in a retirement community in Laguna Woods. Dr. Chang was one of the youngest members. Understanding that there was elderly everywhere and they couldn't get out of the premises because the doors had been chained, he took it upon himself to charge across the room and to do everything he could to disable the assailant. The shooting suspect is identified as 68-year-old David Cho of Las Vegas. Officials say he's a U.S. citizen who grew up in Taiwan. The sheriff says the motive for the shooting was Cho's hatred toward Taiwan, which was documented in handwritten notes. Uh, was a politically motivated hate incident, a grievance that this individual had between himself and the Taiwanese community. Cho's family apparently was among many forced to move from mainland China to Taiwan to flee the communist takeover. The sheriff said Cho was not well received in Taiwan. Cho's notes also suggest he believes Taiwan should be part of China, and he's part of a Las Vegas group that supports unification. It is believed the suspect involved was upset about political tensions between China and Taiwan. The AP reports that a former neighbor said Cho's life unraveled after his wife left him last year and moved to Taiwan. Taiwan's president, Tsai Ing-wen, condemned the shooting on social media and sent condolences, saying violence is never the answer. Local Asian Americans in Orange County are shocked by the shooting. There's a lot of uh, Taiwanese uh, Asian people around in Irvine and Laguna Hill. We have uh, never, never heard hear anything happen like this. Hate is going to causing other hate. And, uh, you know, they have to stop, have to stop. 
One young Filipino-American says his takeaway is you got to be a good citizen to other people. It's just very conservatively shocking for something to happen to such a community, especially when violence is not really the norm. Keep being vigilant and just keep being compassionate to other people. All the victims were of Asian heritage. The FBI said it's opening a hate crime investigation. Jessica Beatty, NTD News. The shooter is part of a group that supports unifying Taiwan with mainland China. The group is called the National Association for China's Peaceful Unification. In 2020, the group was designated by the U.S. government as a foreign mission of China. According to China's state-run media, Shanghai achieved a long-awaited milestone Tuesday, three consecutive days with no new COVID-19 cases outside quarantine zones. But most residents will have to put up with confinement for a while longer before resuming so-called normal life. Local authorities gave their clearest timetable yet on lifting the city's lockdown. That has been in place for over six weeks. They plan to begin easing the lockdown in three stages. Those are removing infrastructure built to restrict movement, gradually opening up public transportation and other services, and completely opening up the city starting June 1st. But the plan was met with skepticism by many residents who have seen isolation time extended time and again. The social media account of a state-run newspaper posted photographs on Monday showing breakfast joints, restaurants and hairdressers opening up. But one social media user posted that lockdown restrictions have been lifted in the news, but not in reality. Another user wrote, stop asking Shanghai residents if the lockdown is lifted. We can't get out. We can't even send out our social media posts, let alone get out of the neighborhood's front door. So what's included in Shanghai's plan for normal life? Residents have been told to prepare for frequent COVID-19 tests and more intense monitoring after they exit lockdown. More than 9,000 permanent PCR testing stations have been set up in Shanghai, so a testing site will rarely be more than a 15-minute walk away. Residents will be required to produce negative tests taken within 48 hours to enter public venues like train and subway stations. Draconian measures to stop the spread of COVID-19 in China's largest city have generated widespread frustration and anger among its 26 million residents. The strict rules have also contributed to a slowdown of the country's economic activity. In other news, let's go to Beijing, where a group of students took action at their university. A report says the school started building a wall around one of its dormitory buildings. But hundreds of students soon gathered in protest, eventually tearing down the wall. The incident comes as panic rises in the city, alongside tightening COVID-19 restrictions. Here's more. Hundreds of students protested against Beijing University's lockdown rules Sunday evening. The hours-long demonstration lasted until midnight. The university's vice president eventually came out to address the crowd, telling them to trust in the school and that the problems would be solved. But in response, students yelled, we don't trust you. During Chen's speech, the protesters began to remove the fence surrounding the campus by hand.
So what prompted the students' anger? They said the school never informed them the fence would be constructed. On top of that, living accommodations for faculty were excluded from the fenced-in area, meaning they could move freely while students were trapped inside. With the fence in place, students can't get food or mail deliveries, or even visit the barbershop located next to the faculty dorms. They were also restricted from using outdoor space, allowed to visit only part of a small garden. Even though the school voiced willingness to negotiate, the university's in-house branch of the Communist Party had other ideas. That group encouraged students to report those who protested the rules. At the same time, RAs, or residential assistants, were instructed to take note of which students weren't inside their dorms when the protest broke out. What's more, posts discussing the incident quickly disappeared from the social media platforms. One internet user wrote that it's not the only case happening among the colleges in China, adding that many students are getting locked inside their schools. Another commented on the value of this protest, writing, The protesters have not been tamed by social rules yet. They are brave to protect their own rights from being violated. They're appealing for their own rights today, and they might have a chance to protect all of us in the future. The Chinese city of Tianjin is in the midst of a new round of outbreaks. Neighboring China's capital, Beijing, the metropolis has a population of over 14 million. The coastal metropolis has now closed some of its public transportation services. An official release says the closure takes effect Monday. At a press conference Monday, authorities labeled districts as needing different levels of virus control. Tianjin's official media outlet is blaming the surge on imported frozen food chains. Now, multiple districts in the city have begun mass COVID-19 testing for residents and are asking locals to travel only when essential. In the city suburbs, some residents are being ousted from their homes. A video shows them leaving en masse. This village houses nearly 10,000 residents, and all of them are being transferred to quarantine facilities. The Chinese Communist Party hasn't said when its zero COVID-19 policy will come to a close. But one move might give a hint that the draconian lockdown measures will last at least to next summer. Beijing gave up the hosting rights to the Asian Cup finals next year. The reason? Spread of the CCP virus, which causes COVID-19. The soccer event is played every four years. More than 20 teams from across Asia will attend. The games are due to be held in 10 Chinese cities during summer next year, including Beijing, Shanghai and eight other major cities with several million residents each. The news was one of the top trending topics on Chinese social media site Weibo over the weekend, generating nearly 60 million views within a few hours. A new bill proposal is up for debate called the Communist Visa Transparency Act. It would require all non-immigrant visa applicants to declare their ties to the Chinese Communist Party. GOP Congressman Jim Banks of Indiana introduced the measure Thursday. Banks says, quote, we all know that China has used our overly lax visa system to export its propaganda and malign influence. Amazingly, many of these CCP agents came here legally and without disclosing their membership. My bill would help law enforcement track Communist Party activity and prevent many of China's abuses before they happen. The bill would also require disclosure of whether a user visa applicant is affiliated with the CCP 
or any organizations attached to China's military, law enforcement, or public or national security forces. What's more, the bill asks the Secretary of State to include that question in the visa application form. Banks said in a statement, quote, not a single Biden administration or federal government official can accurately estimate how many Chinese Communist Party members currently live in the United States. He goes on to call that an unacceptable national security risk. Next, a look at communications. Several Chinese provinces are blocking out incoming calls and texts from outside mainland China. The move is being seen as part of Beijing's censorship efforts, aiming to stop unfiltered information from getting into the country. On Sunday, China Mobile confirmed that the company is blocking incoming calls and text messages from overseas by default in the eastern province of Zhejiang. This also applies to calls and texts from Hong Kong, Macau, and Taiwan. China Mobile is one of China's three major carriers. It issued a recent notice about the service suspension, saying if users need to take calls from abroad, they have to register before Friday, May 20th. China's three major carriers also shut off calls and texts from overseas by default in other provinces, including Jiangxi, Hebei, and Henan. Users have to apply for the service and register. But the policy appears to extend beyond these areas. Over the past year, similar service suspensions were already taking place in Liaoning province and Guizhou province. Chinese media report those suspensions are experimental in those provinces and say the service curve will later expand to the entire country. A writer in China shares his thoughts with NTD. This horrific fascist regime is in a state of desperate madness. It is very afraid that people will know the truth the real information overseas, so it is shutting down all access to information. The cell phone carriers say they are following orders from authorities. Now, we'd like to take a minute to answer a question from one of our viewers. It's about SpaceX founder and soon-to-become Twitter owner Elon Musk. After the billionaire sealed the deal to take over Twitter, concerns are rising over the Tesla CEO's business ties to China and what it could mean for the social media platform. What leverage does China have over Tesla? Well, China is Tesla's second largest market, generating $4.6 billion in this year's first quarter and making up around a quarter of the company's total revenue. Major shareholders of the electric vehicle company include Tencent, one of China's biggest tech companies. It bought 5% of Tesla for $1.8 billion. Tesla's market share of battery and plug-in electric vehicles in China was around 7% late last year. Tesla's sales have surged in China, while the company's Shanghai factory has become a crucial export hub for markets like Germany and Japan. Tesla's China-made cars accounted for around half of the vehicles it delivered globally last year. So what is Musk's stance towards China? So far, the billionaire has largely chosen to remain silent on sensitive issues, like when Tesla's Shanghai factory was shut down in China's latest pandemic lockdown. Musk didn't say anything publicly. But he reacted very differently to a similar incident in the U.S. In 2020, Tesla's factory in Fremont, California, was shut down due to COVID restrictions. 
In response, Musk posted on Twitter, saying it was the last straw and that Tesla will now move its headquarters and future programs to Texas or Nevada immediately. Earlier this month, a Chinese regime spokesperson denied claims that China would use Tesla to gain leverage over Twitter following Musk's takeover. The spokesperson says those concerns and speculations have no factual basis at all. But as things stand right now, it's too soon to tell. Coming up, Chinese authorities warn farmers to save crops for people rather than animals. That's as more farmers are seen selling their crops as animal feed to minimize their losses. More on that after the break here on China in Focus. Welcome back to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. Chinese farmers are harvesting wheat before the plants mature and selling it off as animal feed. That's to minimize their losses under pandemic rules. But authorities are trying to stop the practice, warning that a food crisis may lie ahead. Chinese local authorities are banning farmers from selling their crops. That's because farmers from multiple provinces have started harvesting wheat, but not as food for people. Instead, they're selling the crop as silage. Silage wheat refers to wheat that's harvested before the plant is fully mature. It's usually harvested together with the plant's stalk and is used to feed livestock. But what sparked the farmers to do it? This way, they're able to sell the crop for profit and minimize their losses. Farmers have been delayed in sowing or planting their crops due to strict lockdowns, while virus prevention rules have made it difficult for them to work in their fields. Because of it, they'll produce a smaller crop yield this season. But it gets worse. According to Chinese media, selling crops as silage is actually more profitable than selling crops to authorities for distribution. Despite the gap in profits, authorities in China's eastern Anhui province issued an urgent notice on Saturday. It urged farmers to stop what officials described as destroying wheat. Anhui province is one of China's top agricultural regions, especially for wheat. The notice also encouraged locals to report illegal sales. Noting local COVID-19 infection rates, the document said a food crisis was inevitable. Other provinces issued similar notices in recent days. Some of them described harvesting wheat early for silage as, quote, making livestock compete with people for food, something they noted must be stopped. But social media users have taken aim at authorities over the policies, calling them unfair to farmers. Some pointed out that farmers shouldn't be held responsible for food security problems and that authorities need to handle it. Others called it unethical for authorities to heap more financial hardship onto farmers, many of whom already have the lowest income rates of any Chinese workers. A video showing pandemic control personnel dressed in protective gear is gaining attention on the Chinese internet. The video was taken last week in North China's Changchun city. These people had reportedly worked at a makeshift hospital. But after finishing their work there, they themselves have to be sent to a quarantine center. That's because they came into close contact with people who tested positive for the virus. Some of the workers reportedly refuse to go because there are CCP virus patients at the quarantine center. Sorry. 
Some Chinese Internet users say in the comments section that they do not have much sympathy for the workers, given how they enforce the regime's pandemic policies. The UK is voicing plans for its international aid budget, saying it will use the funds to challenge malign actors and create new trading partners. The budget has been cut because of the pandemic and will be skewed towards working directly with other countries rather than bodies like the United Nations. NTD's Joy Duguid has the details. The Foreign Office published its new International Development Strategy on Monday, setting out how the UK will use its reduced aid budget in the years ahead. The government said it would spend more working directly with other countries and less on multinational bodies such as the UN, giving the Foreign Office greater control over how aid money is spent. The new strategy will also allow the UK to offer an alternative to support from malign actors, believed to be China and its Belt and Road Initiative, which has been criticised for involving large amounts of debt and coming with political strings attached. Foreign Secretary Liz Truss said, We won't mirror their malign tactics, but we will match them in our resolve to provide an alternative. She said the strategy will deliver honest, reliable investment and create new trade partners for Britain, focus on support for global health and provide humanitarian aid and empower women and girls. But Labour MP Sarah Champion, who chairs the House of Commons International Development Committee, criticised the document as little more than a rehash of existing slogans that replicated Chinese tactics rather than challenge them. The pandemic has inflicted damage on the UK's economy, so the government reduced aid spending from 0.7% of gross national income to 0.5% cutting £4.5 billion from the aid budget. Joy Duguid, NTD News. Now an update from the Korean Peninsula. North Korean leader Kim Jong-un has ordered the country's military to help distribute COVID-19 medicine in Pyongyang, the country's capital. It's part of North Korea's battle against its first confirmed outbreak of the CCP virus. But residents say they are turning to more traditional methods to treat the infection. Let's take a look. North Korea is not only battling its first confirmed explosive outbreak of COVID-19, but it says it is also grappling with drug shortages. State media reported that the country's leader, Kim Jong-un, has ordered the immediate deployment of the military to stabilize the distribution of medicine in the capital, Pyongyang. Kim, who was seen visiting pharmacies on Sunday, told an emergency Politburo meeting that drugs procured by the state were not reaching people quickly or accurately. President of neighboring South Korea, Yoon Suk-yul, has said he is willing to help. Seoul's Unification Ministry, which is responsible for cross-border relations, said it had proposed working-level talks to provide medical supplies, including vaccines and test kits, as well as technical cooperation but it added that the North had not received its message. Amid the medical shortages, North Korean state media has encouraged residents to use painkillers and antibiotics to treat symptoms. 
It has also encouraged home remedies, including gargling salt water and drinking herbal teas. Previously, state media has suggested using burdock root as a cure while downplaying the effectiveness of vaccines. North Korea previously claimed no confirmed cases of COVID-19. It is only one of two countries in the world that is yet to begin a COVID vaccination campaign, according to the World Health Organization. North Korea's tally of the fever-stricken stood at over 1.2 million, with 50 deaths by Sunday, according to KCNA. It did not say how many suspected infections had tested positive for COVID-19. That's all for today's China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. If you have any feedback on the show or have something you'd like to see us cover, send us an email at chinainfocus at ntd.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for watching and see you tomorrow. Every once in a while, something comes along so masterful, it leaves you in awe. So inspiring, it changes your life. So beautiful, you wish it would never end. When that happens, it's something not to be missed. Shen Yun, an all-new production every year. performance was enchanting. I feel better about the world. I feel uplifted. It touches you. It really does. The expertise of the dancers was really, really strong. To know that it was live music was really fantastic. We didn't want to miss this. Make sure you see it. Have to come. Life-changing.